No country wanted foreigners coming in and taking what few jobs there were. They tried uh, quite a number of places, but the problem was not that they wanted out. The problem is nobody wanted you in. It took several years, but finally, Ettlinger and his family were allowed to emigrate to the U.S. They left in September 1938, the day after his bar mitzvah. In October, they landed in New York and set up house in a part of Manhattan called Washington Heights, a place where many other Jews had settled. In fact, there were so many Jews living there, they, they used to sit, the, not unfriendly, we called it the Whaling Wall. <laughs> to Edward Woods, also growing up in Washington Heights, it seemed that half the kids in his class were Jewish refugees. I don't mind, I don't know. I mean, they come over, they learn the language right away. They all had that, I want to learn, I want to be somebody. And it, it, dude, it rubbed off on you. We had to say, well, why the foreigners do this and we don't? You know, you'd hear it. America offered Jewish immigrants a safe haven, but it also had its share of anti-Semitism. Elite universities limited the number of Jews who could attend those schools. And in the fields of engineering, insurance, and banking, hiring caps for Jews existed. Jews were restricted from buying homes in certain neighborhoods. Anti-Semitism escalated during the early 1940s. Even in the job-hungry defense industry, discrimination against hiring Jews was routine. And public opinion polls revealed that Americans distrusted Jews more than any other group, with the exception of Italians. What we don't remember is that at that period, even though we were fighting Nazis, we were an overtly anti-Semitic country. Ruth Gruber was born in Brooklyn, New York, to parents who were Russian Jewish immigrants. They were calling Roosevelt Rosenfeld. They were calling the New Deal the Jew Deal, and that we were fighting the war for the Jews. Every Sunday afternoon, we all sat paralyzed, listening to the radio. Father Coughlin in Detroit was filling the air with the worst anti-Semitic trash, and people believed him. Jews in great numbers have been identified with the communist movement. I am giving voice to a sentiment which is expressed in millions of homes and in thousands of gatherings. Communism must be stamped out else an illogical world will build up a defense mechanism against it in these United States, paralleling, if not surpassing, the same defense mechanism which operates under Nazism. Norman Lear, a Jewish television producer, remembered hearing Coughlin as a kid. I learned that there were people who hated me because I was Jewish. But in his school civics classes, he learned something different. At the time I learned there was a threat there for me as a Jewish kid, I learned that this is not what my country was about. On the contrary, it was about serving up equal rights and equal opportunity for everybody, which is the way of feeling, I guess, we're all born with, I think, when we are young and pure. The Jewish actor and director Norman Lloyd, meanwhile, felt protected by the stance the American leadership took against possible homegrown fascism. We felt so encased in our own rightness that we were right and they were wrong, that we never felt 
a threat. That Roosevelt was so strong. And the people around him, the wonderful people he had governing with him, all were so strongly anti-fascist that one never felt a personal threat. I didn't, anyway. But he knew the situation in Germany was very different and very frightening. And this was a guy who rose to lead his country, and he was a threat, and above all, he hated Jews. And I'm Jewish, and I became very aware of that. This guy wanted to kill me, and a lot of other people I knew. Only three Jewish families lived in the small town of Benton, Illinois. But Marnie Seymour was absolutely clear about the danger that Hitler posed to Jews.